Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I'm Adam Motenko. We are recording just after the Celtics' big win in Game 5. Here, as always, Mike Minkoff. How's it going, Mike? What's up, gentlemen? And twin brother Josh. Josh, how's it going? It's going well. Let's do this instant reaction. This was a game of two different halves. The first half was hard to watch, just like Game 4. And um, the second half was a totally different story, and I'm just like baffled as to what happened here. Josh, can you explain to me the difference? <laughs> you want cynical Josh here or positive Josh here? Let's be positive right. for a moment in the aftermath of a nice win. <laughs> then go cynical. All right. I mean, we came out in the second half finally playing Celtics basketball, and we heard in the wired timeout. Brad Stevens actually telling the team, hey, that's the first time I've seen Celtics basketball in two games. Um, We were moving the ball better. Kemba was making better decisions. He was able to get those three-point shots off against the zone and was finally making them. Um, He had Jeff Van Gundy behind him apologizing for him and uh, repping New York a little bit too hard, JVG. And... um, just we played together finally for a short stretch of the game, and that kind of was the difference because the Miami Heat didn't make their threes at all, shooting 19.4% from three today. Um, and obviously no hero game from Tyler. Yeah, Celtics only shot 32% from three. Uh, but a much better game from Tatum. Uh, Mike, what did you see here? Um, from Tatum, well, I mean, he started kind of slow again. Uh, he didn't have, he didn't exactly light things up in the first half. I think he had ten points on. I'm trying, I'm doing this yeah. by memory. I think it was like three of nine shooting, mostly from free. Like had a had a few trips to the free throw line. Um, playing a little bit tentative. Obviously, in the second half, he. I think he scored 17 or so in the third quarter alone, and he ended up north of 30. Um, I mean, Josh, I'm, I, you know, I, just to add to your your list of, of positives, of <laughs> half-hearted as it may have been, um, I thought the the defense really not this wasn't a Tatum specific, Tatum specific thing, but just the, the team's defense in the second half really ratcheted up like I don't know 12, 12 degrees. Um, they were. It was kind of like in game three, like I can't, you know, it felt like in game three that Miami wasn't playing with much force. I think after watching this game, I'm going to give the Celtics a bit more credit for, for create creating that, creating that, um, appearance from Miami. I, I, I don't. That's so hilarious. Why is the, that? The amount, the amount that like. Even in the most innocent of situations, you and I are both going to disagree like this. What it, I was reminded of when you asked on the pod after game three, like, did we create that or was it just the heat not playing as well? And I thought tonight for sure, it was just the heat didn't show up. That's in funny. The second half. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't think the heat showed up at all? I mean, our, in defensive, the second intensity half. Picked, our defensive intensity picked up in the second half, but the, the, the heat lay down. I mean, Goran Dragic was the only dude in the third quarter doing anything, and he was penetrating our defense and, and doing something against us, but he had no help. Um, you know, it's hard to tell whether Adebayo was really injured or not. Obviously, he was holding his left wrist after last game, and only two days later, he seemed fine, but not dominant, right? And 
yeah, Crowder has fallen back onto earth and he's not shooting 40% anymore, at least for the last couple games. So I thought the Heat just lay down besides Dragic. Yeah, I didn't really see anything in this game that made me confident about the Celtics winning the series. As nice as that third quarter was. Yeah, they're downers. <laughs> Look, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be honest about what you're seeing here. We're, we still have not played a 48 minute game. That's where we know, you know, we're doing what we know we can do. But I, I, I guess I would say so. We came out super tight. We, we looked, we were overthinking everything in the first quarter. We and rightly got outscored. We couldn't, we couldn't hit a shot. We were rushing all of our offensive possessions. We like. You know, the second we had like a, a foot of space, someone would hoist a three. And they were a lot of the the early ones. I think we started the game one for nine. And like, if, you know, five or six of those misses were, were pretty open shots. But we just were taking everything right away and didn't let the, the game flow. I thought from, you know, actually to Brad's credit, and I was texting with you guys in the middle or early in the game, or at least with you, Josh, that I thought Brad was getting just thoroughly outcoached at the beginning of the game. Um, but why? he put, why? Because it felt like we hadn't, it was related to the way we were playing offense. We were, because we were rushing, rushing all of our possessions because players still were not diving into the heart of the defense getting, you know, either drawing, getting fouls or just getting the defense in rotation so that we were getting shots in kind of a real rhythm and flow. Um, everything was just kind of quick and it was, we were missing, allowing long rebounds that he were able to get, get the ball in motion. We weren't able to set our defense and it just, it just felt like we were totally unsettled. And I, I thought that was Brad um, just got not getting the team ready to play. But I think uh, the team, I think more of it was the team may have just been young and a little tight and uh, Cantor really co- coming in, really settled the team down. He, you know, I think he ended up being like a net zero in that first half stretch, but just being able to have someone like reliably put the ball in the hoop, allowed the rest of the team to stop pressing. Like it was really simple. <laughs> um, and he, you know, he couldn't do much on, on defense and he got lucky on a, a few uh, of the shots that the Heat missed when he was in there because he had a, pretty, a couple pretty rough defensive possessions. But, um, you know, it, we somehow escaped the first half only down seven, which felt like a major victory. Yeah, it seemed like it was kind of a reverse of the previous games where we started out strong. I mean, I think it's maybe nine or ten games in a row now that we, we started out strong before this game. We start out strong, we can't finish, and we kind of collapse in the fourth quarter. And I mean, after all those games in a row, now we show up to this this make or break game, and we don't come out strong in the first quarter. It's it's we reversed the problem here, um, and I guess it's better that it's way. It's way we better. Hey, we won by end. double digits. <laughs> but I mean, how can we come out after the way we've been playing in, in the first quarter? All of a sudden, get down on a fifteen to five deficit with you know, our stars and leaders just making poor decisions, Kemba specifically and, and, and more than others. I mean, passing the ball directly out of bounds and going through his entire jab step series before pulling up for a, a mid shot clock three. It's like just terrible decision after terrible decision. And at some point you got to blame somebody at some point you got to put some kind of onus on these three stars, at least 
Brown, Tatum, and Kemba who need to carry us. And I feel like Kemba's the one kind of sticking out like a sore thumb a little bit. Um, we gave him a pass last series because they did a box and one against him. It's hard to to not be affected by that. But he's not getting any box and ones here. It's like this is just him not showing up like he needs to. Granted, he played well in the third quarter. He was like three or four, three of four to start the third and um, helped us to to bring things back. But every time he got in foul trouble and Brad was able to pull him out of the game, it was almost like a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, well, well, I mean, there. Can I jump in, Mike? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Jalen Brown played really well tonight uh, on both ends of the floor. Um, shot well, played great defense, I thought. And Kemba Walker was a, a plus twenty one to lead the team. What? Why are you so down on Kemba? He's still begging for calls when he doesn't get them, and as the other team is taking uncontested layups on the other end after getting steals, it's like he's just not making the shot selection isn't where it needs to be. He's taking he's taking poor shots. He's not moving the ball well. Like the ball's just getting stuck in his hands sometimes when he just needs to swing it. It's like the fundamental things that that the Miami Heat are doing, like playing like the Spurs, where they're coming to a stop on all their drives. They're making nice two-handed bounce passes. Like they're just being solid and strong with the ball. Kemba's doing the opposite of those things. Everything's off one foot. Everything is is like passing across his body because he's falling away because he's jumping while he's passing. It's it's unnecessary stuff. Where and and I think historically I'm going to go in on him a little bit here. He is still trying to get out of the category of good player on a bad team, Kemba. You know, his Charlotte days, you could easily make the argument that he's a Devin Booker type who's not a winner. Um, obviously, his character is different, and he's in the locker room, one of the leaders of this team. But if that doesn't translate over to his decision-making and his character on the court in terms of his IQ of the game, then then he's still a good player, bad team situation. And he needs to prove that he can help us win in the playoffs by playing more than just a few minutes in the third quarter of, of good basketball. Well, I do, I do think it's interesting, Adam. I didn't realize that. I'm looking at it now that Kemba led the team in plus minus. It didn't necessarily feel that way uh, watching the game. And Agreed. there was a reason I asked you guys last, last podcast uh, where we were all on whether Kemba was in our best lineup. Um. I mean, I think part a big part of what I why I was asking that is because of the defensive mismatches that the hunt the Heat are hunting, but but I do I do think there are certainly stretches, Josh, where he is overthinking, over dribbling, um, not not moving the ball. But I mean, the whole team was doing that in the first quarter. He was just one of one of you know five guys on the floor contributing to that. Jalen Brown wasn't doing that. Marcus Smart wasn't doing that. Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart wasn't doing that. I think I think Marcus Smart added so much to this game by doing less on offense. He did not he did not try to over overdo it on the offensive end. He only had one turnover this game. He and it was towards the end of the game. He tried to kind of do a little bit of a hero outlet pass to Tice and he just totally overshot him. But aside, you know, when Marcus Smart is only making the simple plays and it's you know brad stevens right he always says hit singles but if marcus smart is actually doing that and stops trying to do all his like fancy 
you know, no look passes. And like those were like, there were like six turnovers last game from Marcus Smart in the fourth quarter alone, trying to do fancy passes. Um, he, you know, his, he had four steals, led the team. He just adds so much when he's not <laughs> making, you know, taking needlessly aggressive shots and making needlessly um, fancy passes. Yeah, Josh, I can't argue with almost everything you said. Uh, I will argue with the way that Kemba Walker reacts to the refs. At this point, um, the refs are just, and the rules, the way they're designed, are just teaching players that they should be arguing every single call. Why not? It's all just a total crapshoot. The refs are calling. I just, I'm, I'm so done with them. I'm trying not to launch yeah, into I, the whole thing. I think but, this is a more, um, as much if not more, a rules thing than a refs thing at this yeah. point. Like it's, they're in a no-win situation. Agreed. And and the challenge isn't help. Like the challenge requirement isn't helping, and the way they're defining hostile acts, just it's like it's all a bit absurd. But there were yeah. like six calls in that game that were clearly just like has if you've played basketball at a gym with your friends or whoever, like they shouldn't have been fouls. <laughs> you just it's... play on. You, you don't stop the game. Jeff, I love Jeff Van Gundy going on his rant, just being like, this is yeah. not what the paying customers want to see. And no, exactly it ruins right. the flow of the game. I could not agree with him more. It's, it's horrible to watch. I want to watch people play basketball. It's the playoffs. Can we just let them play? It just it drives me nuts. Every single call could be, every single play could be, um, a, a foul and and the the way that the rules are designed are allowing people to to shove off on offense they're getting fouls called on them when when they're getting hit in the chest when they're defending it's like, it just doesn't make any sense to me in terms of allowing people to play basketball this is a physical sport you're going to have contact and the rules allow for zero contact anymore and, uh, okay, and it, does, so it makes me not want to watch the game it's really frustrating so regardless of the rules or the refs there's players out there who don't stop playing to throw their hands up and complain. There's other players who don't do that. But there are enough plays where you do that or you flop and you get the call. And so they are incentivizing players to do that. That's why at the end of half of these games, it's a flop fest because they're just trying to get the call. It's, it's, the rules are, are, are designed in a way that the refs and the refs are, are incentivized basically to make these calls and those calls are defining the games. So you, if that's what is going to help you win, that's what you're going to do as a player. And I think that I actually believe that um, that there is a, a bias that, that refs have that's unconscious towards better players. I mean, I saw it towards the end of the game. Tatum's shoving people out of the way. Uh, there's been uh, uh, replays on Twitter with him taking four or five steps on a, on a play and he doesn't get called. Like... He's he's not he's getting some stu- superstars treatment, and I think um, for him to complain every single play, yeah, go ahead, Tatum. I, I can't be mad at him anymore because it's not his fault. It's it's a systemic issue. Uh, I totally disagree. I think that the young players and the inexperienced playoff performers like Kemba succumb to that kind of a mental weakness reaction when they don't get the call they want. The call's been made already. No one's going to overturn that call because you've complained because you're a superstar. I, I don't see how no, that is. No, but you'll get the next call. I, I don't think that helps you get the, get the next call. I don't think that's – I mean, the Heat have been winning this series by doing the exact opposite of that. They're not complaining to the refs 
on the calls they don't get. They're getting the next Except for call. Jay Crowder. They're performing. Who yeah, are Jimmy really... Butler is complaining all the time. Bam Adebayo, every single time they they show him, he's he's complaining out loud to his teammates, to other people. He's He's got this whining look on his face. Well, who I feel bad for the most is that third official who's got to stand by with his hands on his hips as they're reviewing the play. And it's already been a minute and a half. They don't have a resolution. He's got to pretend like he's a police officer there just keeping the peace like he agrees. Yep, this is really important. We had to stop everything so that we could review this. I'm the one in the middle of the floor holding it down. Like, <laughs> it's, Important job. It's important work. <laughs> It's the reviews that get me going, not not the the way they're incentivizing uh, complaining. I, I'm I'm more upset with the reviews, um, but I don't want to do too much on the refs here. Like, I, I want to make it clear that my complaints about Kemba, uh, I've been withholding them for a while. I've been giving him the benefit of the doubt for a while through through the entire playoffs when he hasn't really performed like he was supposed to, or we're expecting him to. Um, and even into this series, but game two, game three, it's, it's time to really put the onus where it belongs and he needs to step up. He and Tatum are the ones who need to lead this team and perform when it matters and not just play half of a game or one quarter up to the standards and then somewhat decent defense. Like we, we really got to, this is the opportunity that those two guys can play to the level that they know they can play at and they're not doing it right now. I mean, you know, to to your point, and and this is runs contrary to what I was saying before, and more in line with what I think you were saying, Josh, uh, a few few episodes ago. I mean, is it really at this point? Is it really Tatum and Walker that we should be looking to, or I mean, I think it's probably Tatum and Brown, right? Yep. Um, and, and I don't know. Did you guys think the purple shoes helped uh, Kobe? I mean, Tatum tonight? Oh, definitely. Yeah, is he coming out his wristband I, I, with the yellow ones and the purple wristbands. Uh, he got to the line. He got to the line fourteen times. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Thirty-one, ten, and six for for Tatum. Did his I don't know. Kobe didn't pass that much at twenty-two. Um, <laughs> I have no idea, Adam. Do you know, Josh? I was trying to figure out if it was the Kobe wristband or not, even though it wasn't purple. I don't know. I don't think that's, that. The, I think that it was just the shoes tonight. That was the Kobe homage. The only well, shoes I pay attention to, I can keep track of on the court are Duncan Robinson's. <laughs> Josh, I, I think you'll get a lot of arguments from Celtics fans about Jason Tate. Your thoughts on Jason Tatum? I think people think he's he's having a good series, um, even though it's. I agree with you that he's not. Um, he doesn't look comfortable. He's not hitting shots at his normal rate. Um, he's pressing too much. I've been saying it all series. Um, and I don't pressing, think it's what do you mean? Much. I, I just think that like he's trying to do too much. He's trying to take too much on his shoulders. He's not playing in the flow of the offense as much. He's trying to ISO, and he's not hitting those shots. He's, he's pressing. He's trying to do I too mean, much. he clearly has had bad stretches, but like the second halves of the last two games, he's been phenomenal. Like, I, I, th- I feel like I mean, I, his, his third quarter was expectations phenomenal. Expectations that are that that don't really still don't make sense to me for a twenty-two year old. Like what he's doing is 
there's very few people in the history of the league that has have performed the way he's performing in the playoffs this early in their career. And nobody's <laughs> arguing with that. The expectations are not based on his age and experience level. What we're talking about is what is what this team needs in order to win a championship this year. And and right. obviously they need Tatum to play like someone who's way beyond his years. Um, and, and it's an unreasonable expectation. Yeah, well, that's the point. Like, sure, no, you can no, say no, no, he's no. not meeting that criteria, but being like, it's the level of disappointment with him that you're attaching to it that, that confuses me. I mean, it's last game. The, the, the way he came out in the first quarter of the previous game with like literally zero energy, it was... It was obvious to anybody watching the game, like something's wrong with him. And it's that that's the kind of thing that I'm disappointed by. And the way his decision making in the fourth quarter, when all of a sudden he goes from being someone who knows how to win a game and knows how to make smart decisions to someone who thinks that he needs to take over and in order for us to win the game, when really you just need to play solid, simple basketball and make the right reads and don't shoot it every time if somebody's open. Like we need to get some ball movement and, and some actions going yeah. so that we can get a great shot instead of a solid shot. And he's taken difficult shots because he thinks that that's what he needs to do to lead this team to a victory. Like he, it's like he forgets how to make smart basketball reads and that's a normal young player thing to do. But you know, we're giving him a lot of minutes, giving him a lot of responsibility. He's earned that. So now he just needs to follow through and, and come through. And not just completely disappear like he did in the beginning of the last game. He started taking those shots at the end of the fourth, too. Yep. You mean in, in tonight's game? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's like we, we got a minute left, and I'm like, this game's not over. Because we're smiling a little bit too much and making poor shot selection decisions on the offensive end. Meanwhile, Tyler Hero's running back, shooting threes and nailing them. I mean, we would not so have won one... this game if Tatum had not scored 17 points in the third. Yep. And if, if Kemba hadn't shown up a little bit. Yep. The, the one, I mean, I will say, Josh, you know, you, you threw out a bunch of ridiculous conspiracy ideas about why the Celtics didn't come to play in game four. And I think that the Breonna Taylor verdict had a lot to do with it. Um, I, that I just, I, I don't know any, I have no other information other than assumptions based on that. But um, I know that the Celtics have a lot of players who really care about, and are involved in in uh, racial justice stuff and and in the um, NBA's reaction to that, and I think that was just a difficult day for most uh, most people that care about this this issue. Yeah, and I think the Celtics players care more than than most NBA players do. Right, you know they're really involved with Jalen Brown and how and just how high IQ all those guys are. That you know I could see that affecting Tatum. And maybe I should feel bad for for calling him out the way that I did based on that being the issue. Any one of us should be allowed to take off of work because we're feeling uh, not ourselves due to that kind of an issue. But as a Celtics fan, I'm looking at this, and as a coach, I'm looking at this like, okay, but we still got to play this game, and the Miami Heat are coming out here. They're coming after us. So like, we can feel bad about this after the game, but right now we got to win this game. Because you look over at the Miami Heat, they're confident they're going to win this game despite what happened with the verdict. Mike, you know the real reason we won this game, right? Uh, I don't. Educate me. A certain player had a DNPCD today. Shemi Ojale? You got it. 
Yeah. No shammy. I mean, you know what other game he didn't play in? I thought he played in all of them. Uh, no, I don't believe he played no. a minute in game three. Oh. Now the games we've won in this series, he has not. Played. Yeah, it is oh. uh, not, not not you know who did get off uh, the bench pretty early in this game? Grant Williams. Our Grant our rotation Hayward. was Grant Williams, Ennis Cantor, Brad Wanamaker, Hayward, and the starting five. Yeah, Wanamaker only played five minutes. Uh, Williams had eight, Cantor ten, and obviously uh, Hayward had played actually more minutes than Walker today. Uh, but it it felt like a shorter rotation. I, w- I got to say, because Cantor had good minutes in both game two and game three. I was really surprised he didn't play a minute in game four. Um, I think he has been important for the Celtics when he's been out there. He he Our best case scenario is like maybe, maybe barely coming out ahead with him on the court because we can't defend the Heat when he's out there. But I do think, like it did today when he's out there and can just get some easy buckets, it helps everybody else kind of relax and stop pressing so much on offense. And it, the, heat, it, the Heat's drop coverage on pick and roll with when Cantor's in the game, the fact that they're not switching is a huge advantage for us and a huge mistake by, by the Heat. But they can't switch. I mean, if they do switch, then we just get it to Cantor with like Jimmy Butler on him and... Cantor can beast all anybody other than Bam down there. I think that's a wide. I think that's a, a better outcome for the Heat than wide open letting than letting Kemba get comfortable coming off yeah. coming off the screen. I mean that's that's basically how we beat Philly. So it's a slippery slope here with Cantor. We saw in Game Three in the first half he played really well. In the second half, the minutes that he got, I don't think he I'm played in the second that. half in Game Three. Well, there was, I think there Grant was, Williams there was got one it all. game where he played in the first. He played well in his first uh, in his first stint in the game, and then his second. I think that was series game two. Minutes, I think it was game he, two. He, you know, he missed a couple of those layups that he normally makes, and now all of a sudden it's a different story because he can't defend. So it's really based on whether he's making those shots or not. Tonight he was four for seven, fifty-seven percent, and everything was all right. I think yeah, I think he only has like it. five minutes of wind, and then he's done. <laughs> like, because even he made his first four shots, and then he missed three, and like two, two of which were kind of bunnies. I think it's important to give credit to Daniel Tice tonight. I think he, you know, it was a ballsy decision for Brad Stevens to put him in the middle of the zone. Um, you know, getting him open off of the screen, and then uh, like he would screen away and they would go with the, the shooter and he was wide open right in the middle. They, the five man wasn't going to come up in the heat zone to, to guard him and that little high post jump shot. So he was hitting that um, and, and not uh, out of control, not worried, played poised and confident in the middle there. That's the first time I've seen the Celtics put Tice in the middle of our zone he, offense. It's usually um, Tatum or Smart. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I feel like Tice has played a little bit there, but in other games, he hasn't looked to score at all. I, I'm pretty sure Jeff Van Gundy was calling him out on that in past games. Like, he would just get it and, like, only be facing the perimeter and just move it back to another person on the perimeter. So he yeah. finally, like, turned around and hit that, you know, 12-foot jump shot a, a couple of times, which was huge. Um, yeah, he had That's an amazing, amazing game. facing the hoop does <laughs> yeah being a threat 
And it's, it's like, those are the details, right? It's just simple. It all comes down to simple details, having big impact. Um, and that's why, that's why I harp so much on the stars with all the talent who aren't always playing detailed. What'd you guys think about um, Brad Stevens subbing in Gordon Hayward earlier than normal and going with our end of game lineup earlier in the, in the first quarter? Looks desperate. We looked pretty bad when that happened. Yeah, that whole first quarter looked awful. It, it, I mean, it literally looked like we. That's. I think that was part of why I, I texted you, Josh, that Stevens was getting out coached. It looked like he was put pulling out his like, you know, last big uh, wrinkle with you know four minutes into the game, <laughs> and we just were completely flummoxed by everything and anything that he were doing and had no le- answers left. Um, it, I think, in retrospect, he was hoping that Gordon would help settle the team into like something resembling a decent flow on offense. It didn't work, and then he went to Cantor, and that worked out pretty well. So, with the with the benefit of hindsight, I think it was fine, but at the time, it looked really bad. <laughs> All right, game six is on Sunday at 7.30. What do you expect to see? No idea. <laughs> Did we lose you, Josh? <laughs> um, I'm curious what you guys thought, think of all the Celtics fans uh, clamoring for us to fire Brad Stevens and off with his head. What do you guys think of of his performance. Mike, it seems like you've been a little worried about him being outcoached in this series. Adam, do you have any thoughts on on Brad Stevens and his coaching abilities at this level? Because let's remember, he's he's historically been a guy who's been, um, let's just say he's he's been a guy who's done well with less and has taken underachievers and winning with them. Even the Butler teams he had, he was always taking underachievers and, and doing more than than he should have been doing, um, but always also coming up short a little bit. Uh, even even sometimes, you know, due to a half court shot, just rimming rim out. It's like what, he's, you, what are you doing right now, Josh? Can, what what do you what what do you think is happening right here? What are you doing? What is this? This is this is me. Uh, I'm 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 wondering if you guys are a little worried about Brad Stevens. I'm not. Yeah. yeah what are you doing? What are you doing? This is the dumbest argument. I, I don't even want to consider it. Who are you replacing okay, Brad Stevens with? This is this is idiocy. Those fans are wrong. They're outliers. I'm not even going to consider the question. Yeah, I, I I just want to correct or clarify the record. Yes, I'm concerned about him getting out coached by Eric Spolstra, who's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Um, Brad Brad Stevens is also one of the best coaches in the NBA. Um, I think there's room for him to grow and learn, uh, but. No, I do not want him to be removed. The most underrated move by the Celtics this year is signing Brad Stevens to an extension. Can he win a championship? Of course. Yeah. Can we move on? No, Josh, I need you, to pile on it. I did need you to pile hear the question well. I, I asked about uh, Game 6? What, what do you expect to see? What do I expect to see in Game 6? I expect mm-hmm. to see the coaches allowing the players to decide the games. I don't think any one uh, decision or non-decision by Brad Stevens or Eric Spolstra is really going to change the entire flow of this series or going to cause a win. 
I think it's the players maturing on the Celtics to, 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 you know, bring it to a seventh game and extend this thing, or they're going to lay down and make poor shot selection decisions and our stars aren't going to come out to play. And then th- there's really nothing you can ask for from Brad Stevens in that situation. I don't even think it's, it's reasonable to say that he's being outcoached by Spolstra in that situation. This is all about the players on our team maturing in front of our eyes or not. Well, I fully expect to see the Boston Celtics lose to the Miami Heat next game. They will get knocked out, and then I expect to see the Heat beat the Lakers in the finals to win a championship. Wow, that I don't think I... I don't know. I definitely don't agree with the second one. I'm going to stand by LeBron as the best player in the playoffs, and he will win the title accordingly. Uh, But game six... I I don't know. I think the Celtics, well, I felt good about game four, so I'm going to feel bad about game six. But uh, I would say the Celtics winning this one by kind of going away was a pretty important development because they've been outclassed in the fourth quarter of every game of this series up until this one. Um, I think that's that's interesting. I think that's important. Because this this Adam, is the, this is not a Heat team that showed signs of relenting at any point, and that was relenting. I yeah, I don't I, think, I, I disagree uh, with that. I think the Heat, um, like Josh said, I think I don't like the term that they laid down, but but I think they allowed the Celtics to um, to come back in this game. And you don't think they do that in Game Six? No. And it sounds like Adam, you're kind of on the the Pat Riley bandwagon here with your with he's going to be even beat LeBron. He's going to get revenge on LeBron for leaving Miami. Um, no, I just think when I look at the two teams and I, and I look at the way that that the Heat can match up, they've got the players that can guard LeBron. I think Crowder gives him some trouble, even if Crowder's not hitting threes. I think that um, he's going to defend LeBron in a way that's going to uh, be tough on LeBron. I think Adebayo can guard Anthony Davis, and they can make the Lakers play without real centers. Um, I think the Lakers prefer to play with Howard and uh, what's his face. Um, yeah, and I just I I just don't see the depth on the Lakers beyond LeBron and and um, AD. I just don't see who else they have that actually makes is a difference maker. And the the Heat have they they they're a deep team. Especially if Tyler Hero is going to play well, which yeah, I mean, like there's an argument right now for for how deep are they really? I mean, is Iguodala really helping them that much? I don't is, think so. Well, Iguodala is the only guy on their well, Iguodala and Butler are the only guys on their team I think that have a chance at guarding LeBron. Um, do you well, not remember? LeBron. Do you yeah. not re- do you not remember the Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland when Crowder was on the Celtics? That did not go well when we tried defending LeBron with Crowder. Crowder cannot sniff. How long LeBron. ago was that? Uh, three, years. three years. Yeah, I think I, I think LeBron has lost half a step to a step. He's still like one of the more athletic players in the league, um, but I um, I think at at this point LeBron um, outmuscles a lot of players and. That's one of the advantages that he uses, and um, and it, if he if his teammates are not hitting the shots that he's passing to them for, and and you can um, 
guard him one on one, which I think I think Crowder can, um, and I think Jimmy Butler can. I just think they have multiple players that they can throw at him. Um, even guys like Kelly Olynyk, I think Olynyk can get run in that series if they're playing McGee and Howard. I don't know. I think even in this series against the Celtics, you're looking at the Heat roster and you can make the argument that they're now not as deep as they used to be and they're down to really like a six-man team with Butler, Crowder, Bam, Robinson, Hero, Dragic, and that's it. I mean, if you add a good dollar to that group... They they played seven people basically this this game. You can't play Kendrick Kendrick Nunn against Rajon Rondo and have him sag off? I mean, even in this series, you're not playing Kendrick Nunn against the Celtics. He's from Rajon Rondo. It's playoff Rondo. <laughs> yeah, well, playoff he's a totally Rondo's different still, guy. <laughs> you're still letting playoff Rondo shoot threes. I mean, they've resorted to playing Solomon Hill instead of Kelly Olynyk. Like it's, it's. Yeah, that's against the Celtics. It's a totally different team. The Lakers cannot spread the floor the way we do. Sure, I'm. I'm still thinking about this series. I don't know if you guys realize, but the Celtics are still in it. And, no, this uh, is over. I think this series is down to seven or eight man team with the Celtics <laughs> compared to a six man team with the Miami Heat because I don't it's see Iguodala really helping them much. It's just painful to force me to watch more of these Celtics games. This is over. Wow. All right. Uh, in at least seventy percent defiance to Adam and thirty percent Celtics homerism. Well, uh, Celtics are going to win Game Six. That's my prediction. The Celtics are going to win game six and they're going to win game seven. We're going to see this maturity finally click. I don't know how. Really, Josh? What what makes you say that? That's a complete reversal of everything you well, said. J- Josh and I did both pick Celtics in seven, so I think yeah. Yeah, Josh I is just sticking sticking with his pick, and I, I'll I'll ride that one out too. You um, know, Jeff Van Gundy said in in this game on on the live broadcast that the three point percentages have dipped in the playoffs over the last three years as a sample size. Um, I would even argue I haven't looked looked, but I I would argue that as the playoffs go deeper, that that three point percentage is is impacted even more. Um, and it's, I think it's going to take a really amazing shooting performance by the Miami heat as like, as a team to, to really pull away, or it's going to be the Celtics, you know, turning the ball over nine times in the fourth quarter, like they did in game four, um, which, you know, obviously those things are possible. We've seen it already in the series, but, uh, I just see, I see my, uh, my optimism coming through. I, I, I got to stay optimistic as, as I leave this pod and we go into game six on Sunday, Sunday evening. and game seven on Tuesday. Josh, I think you're forcing it like Tatum right now. Well, at least I'm doing it in the flow of the pod. The, uh, the Celtics won their first home game in uh, their, last, their last seven <laughs> tries. <laughs> Wait, is that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think that was the first game the home team won. No, the Heat won last game. Oh, okay. It was home. And going into this podcast, the Miami, sorry, going into this game tonight, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics in this series had the exact same number of points overall in the series, despite the Celtics losing, uh, I don't know how many games, right? Uh, 441 points for each team going into this game tonight. So the Celtics now have the lead in total points for the series with the win tonight. Uh, do we have any? Upwards. Do we have any other meaningless stats we can share before we conclude? They probably also still have 
uh, a higher percentage of time with the lead. Yeah, I bet that's true. Though we were, uh, I think we were behind for the majority of this game, so maybe not. Um, all right. <laughs> Celtics, Heat, game six, Sunday. Here goes. 